0: Bye. It says, the Lord is my strength, Amen. my shield,
1: and my heart trusts in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song, I will praise him. If our heart is trusted in him. That makes to make us, make us excited. Amen. We need to worship and praise God this morning, right? Amen. Let's
2: get excited this morning Amen. about
1: wonderful our Lord is. Pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Father God, for this wonderful day. Lord, we are excited, Lord God, that you are king. You're our Lord. Lord, we just ask you to have your way today in this place, Father God. Lord, we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. to the God that you put this
2: Bless you, and may be seated in of
1: give to God. See, To be cheerful doesn't just mean to be smiling and happy. It also means to be excited. It means to, to, to be ready and willing. And so when he said that God loves a cheerful, he said God loves an expected giver. God loves it when we are expected to give. God loves it when we are coming and, and ready and saying yes, this is, this is the greatest time of all to give back to God and the blessing with the fruit that he has blessed me. Amen. And so today we're going to give you that opportunity to be such a blessing unto God. And I don't know about you, Saints. I'm not sure if this is theologically correct. I'm not sure what I'm about to say is doctrinally sound i'm not sure maybe this is is biblically authoritative but i'm just going to say it anyway i want to bless god's socks
2: i'm
1: not sure if he wears socks or maybe he goes for sanders but i i want to bless his socks off anyway. Amen. amen let's amen. do that this morning yeah. hallelujah amen. Heavenly father we thank you for the opportunity to give and those right now today bless this offering father god multiply it you the first thing in your kingdom. Multiply every single gift that comes in today. Whether it be right here in person, whether it be online, whether it be in the mail, Father God, bless every single gift in Jesus' name. Father God, bless each giver right now. Father God, I pray a multitude of favor to come their way as they give unto you in this hour. Father God, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray, and we all say amen and amen. God bless you as you give unto the Lord this morning. We're going to get into the message here today. I believe that God has a great, great message for us today. I believe it is a a very... uh, Pointed message, considering the time and season we are uh, in, and are entering, and I believe that this is going to be a message for all to hear and to receive today. We're going to go right to Psalms chapter ninety-seven. Psalms chapter ninety-seven. I want to make sure that this microphone is on for those watching via live stream. Can you hear through the microphone? Yes. Okay. Okay, praise the Lord. If you are watching us via live stream and all you see is lips moving, if you don't hear anything, uh, please comment and uh, we will be sure to get that uh, corrected and fixed. Psalms chapter 97. Psalms chapter 97. We'll begin with verse number 1 of Psalms 97. Psalms 97, verse 1, it says, The Lord reigneth. Somebody shot amen right there. Yeah. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. Amen. Let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. For clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment of the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him, and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings lightened above, the earth soft and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare His righteousness, and all, somebody say all. All. Let me say that verse again. The heavens declare His righteousness, and all, somebody say all. all. The heavens declare His righteousness, and all the people receive His glory. Heavenly Father, we pray over this word right now. We ask, Father God, that you will manifest your power in this word. Father God, that this word will not be a demonstration of man's words wisdom, but in demonstration of your power. In Jesus' name, Father God, right now we pray that your power will go forth from each and every single word, and it will accomplish everything you desire. That, Father God, your power will go forth, oh, Father God, and will destroy everything hindering or receiving of this word, so that, Father God, we can receive it, we can hear it, we can understand it, and we can move with the word, of Father God, that we can run with this vision and that this vision will produce everything that you desire in all lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone say amen and amen and amen. You know, there is a very tragic story in the Bible. In fact, While you may look at me and say, Pastor, there's a few tragic stories in the Bible. I I really do believe that there is no more tragic story than this. one. I believe that maybe you might argue with me if you desire to. uh, But I believe this may, in fact, be the most tragic story in the entire Bible. This is the most tragic, the biggest tragedy. I know William Shakespeare wrote a lot of tragedies, but I believe this one beats it. I believe this one is far greater than Romeo and Juliet. I believe this one is far more tragic than Hamlet. I believe this one even beats out King Liv and all the rest of them. This one is so tragic. We find the story, and this is in the very beginning of the Bible we find in this story. That's kind of sad, isn't it, to find such a tragic story in the very early arms of scripture, But we do find this story, and it's in Genesis chapter number 3, and, and here bro, I find it to be so tragic, because we have this story of a man named Cain, and Cain
2: murders
1: his own brother. Now you might look at me and say, Pastor, that is a very tragic story, just like then. That. That's very tragic. A brother <laughs> killing his own brother. That's something that would make the headline news. That's something that would definitely be reported on. That's something that would be investigated on in today's times. But yet, as tragic as that is, I, I don't believe we found the biggest tragedy yet. I don't believe we found the biggest tragedy. Yes, is very sad. Abram died. He didn't just die, he was murdered by his own brother. Tragic. But it's not the worst tragedy because we find that after he killed his brother, God came down and spoke the king. What a wonderful understanding that God, even when you sin, and even when you fail, and even when you do something wrong, God is not far off from you. Oh, you See, even even when we mess up, even when we do something we know is wrong, God is still near to all who will call upon his name. And what I love even more about this story is that God didn't wait around for Cain to call out to God. God called out to Cain. See, when you sin and you fall from grace, God is always right there, and he's calling out your name first. Come on, isn't that wonderful news? God's calling out your name first. Every time you slip up, you fail, you mess up, you sin, God's right there saying "Sister, brother, son, daughter, and he's calling you by name. And Cain, being served in the Garden of Eden, he was in the place where the presence of God was all about, where the presence of God was so manifested, where the presence of God abided in such great power and authority, and God was always right there moving in the wind, and God was always right there hovering around the mouth. all garden of Eden and Cain was still in the garden and God was right there and God called up and Cain heard God called his name and when God called out his name he said, Cain where is Abel? Where is your brother? Second tragic thing as we can see here is that Cain lied to God so you might tolerate someone lying to you, but it's tragic when you lie to God. And you might look at me and say, oh, that's, that's, a, that's a very bad tragedy, but yet I'm still not to the biggest tragedy of it all yet. I believe this story has a more greater tragedy than the murdering of your own brother than the lying straight to God's face, there's a bigger tragedy still to come. See, if you thought Romeo and Junior had a lot of tragedies, there's a bigger tragedy still to come. Bad as it was, God, even though Cain lied straight to God's face, King God still spoke with Cain. And I say to you today, even though when we mess up, God's right there. And even when you don't want to admit to your thoughts, God is there right there. God is always listening. God is always hearing your every call, your every complaint. God is hearing you. Amen. God said, There is a His blood speaks to me. His blood crying out from the ground. And then God laid out the story. And all what you did, King. You murdered your brother. You murdered your brother. So here's what's going to happen. Punishment is going to come. Let me say to you right now today. There is always punishment for every sin. Amen. Let me say that again. There is always punishment for every wrong do. There is always punishment for every epic failure of the spiritual degree. But I'm so glad today, while God laid such a heavy punishment upon Cain. For his sin, while God laid such a heavy punishment upon Cain for his failure, I praise God that today Jesus Christ came, and Jesus Christ already took all my punishment that I deserve, and He bore upon Himself when He went to the cross of Calvary. And now today, Cain had to bear his own punishment, but now today I can go to the cross of Calvary with my sin. I can call out to the blood of Jesus Christ with my sin and by the blood of Jesus, my punishment can be forgiven and can be quite clean. Is somebody having me the message? the Murdering of a mother lying to God's face and now having to live with the consequence, the punishment. Pastor what tragedy, tragic. But I still haven't gotten to what I believe is the most tragic part of all. Because see, the most tragic part of all. The most horrid part of this Whole entire story. It's found in verse 16 of chapter 4. It says, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Cain went out from the presence of He walked away from God's presence. And they're surrounding him and yet can walk away yeah. Yeah. some of you may be sitting here they, you know maybe you have children you, have children. you know friends and family they, they were raised in the church they were raised knowing God they were raised Uh, having a right relationship with Jesus Christ. But now today, they are living far away from God. But now somehow today, they're living in total absence of the presence of God in their life. Because they made a conscious decision when something wrong happened in their life, when a failure, when a mishap, when a sin happened in their life, they made the decision to instead of deal with it in the presence of God, they made the decision to walk away from the presence of God. We all know people that have gone that route. We all know people that have made that decision. And I came by to say to you what a horrid tragedy when you decide that you no longer want to have the presence of God in your life. When you decide you no longer need God's presence in your life. You have no more need of God. You have no more desire for God. It's like a divorce from your spouse. You say, I don't want to be around them anymore. I don't want to be around God anymore. I don't want to hear God's voice anymore. I don't want to fear God's touch anymore. I just walk away, and you make the decision to totally turn your back and walk away from God. That's tragedy. That's tragedy. But you i not know, come to the realization today that no, Cain okay, wasn't the only one to have decided to walk away from God. Many of those in your life and your family and friends you know, they're not the only ones who walk away from God. In fact, the Bible is filled with stories of people who decided to walk away from God. Another great story is of a man who not only was a, a person who had a relationship with God, this person not only walked with God and talked to God. This person was even anointed to be a minister, to be a conduit for the voice of God. This past week, just think about that phrasing to be a conduit for the voice of God. Here in the church, we decided to put in some new outlets. Some additional outlets. And so I had some, some people, big people in the church, and others outside the church help out, and they came and they were going to install these additional plugs. So we can have more plugs. So we can have more power. Maybe not God's power, but electrical power, nonetheless. We wanted power. So we We were gonna put more plugs. And in the process of, of doing all the work to install these additional plugs, these additional outlets, one of our very own decided that in order to help stabilize himself wire, bringing up the drill bits and doing all of that that's involved in putting in the plugs is had to grab a hold of a conduit. And that conduit should have been just fine to grab a hold of. It should have been just a, 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 a piece of metal, piece of, 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 of uh, a rod that he could grab a hold of. And it should have been under every single situation, it should have been just fine. No problem. To grab a hold of this matter and to help stabilize himself. But in this situation, there was a thing that a live wire that went loose. And the live wire was touching this. There's a poem somewhere. Praise the Lord. But this live wire was touching. This pole, And while the live wire was touching this pole, it created an electrical current that went through the pole. so that when he grabbed a hold of it, he got a body shock. And just like that, you know, we look at the metaphor and we can look at it and say, oh, it's all safe, it's all good, but you know what? If there's an electric power flowing through it, then that metal pole becomes a conduit of the power that's touching it. Why, reach right there. And you see, this man who was a prophet of God, was a conduit for the power of God because the power of God would touch him and he became this conduit that the power of God flowed right through his life as he was a messenger for God he was a prophet for God i mean this man he 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 spoke God in such mighty ways. I mean, he was the kind of prophet that could stand before the most wretched of all sinners, the most horrid of all people, and he could stand there and preach the a mighty word and people could say all over the place. And God called this man and said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh to preach the word tragic story because Jonah being filled with the power of God, being a conduit for God, the electrical power of God flows through his life, he speaks the words of God right out of his mouth and yet when God says go to Nineveh, Jonah Decides to hide from the presence of God. The most amazing thing about this whole story is that even when the storm arose on that great sea, all the other shipmates turned to Jonah, and the Bible says in the Book of Jonah, says that they knew he was running and hiding from the presence of God. See, here's the tragic thing of it all saints, is that many of us know people who have a call of God upon their life, who have a ministry and an anointing from God. And well, Can I just say this even right now in this house this morning? I believe mean, every single one in this very place right now hearing the sound of my voice, every single one of you has a ministry from God, as an anointing from God, as a calling from God. You are called. You are anointed. You are highly anointed anointed to minister the word of God. And I believe right now that God already has the electrical power coming down, flowing through you and to make you a conduit of his glory, a conduit of his grace, a conduit of his word and of his, and of his message. And God has anointed you and called you. And here's the tragedy. How many of us all around have turned and decided to hide from God's presence? Amen. Like many times, we do that on a daily basis. God, I can't really get into the atmosphere of worship right now. I got dinner in the oven. I got to make sure I watch dinner, Dinner's in the oven. I got to make sure I look at the cookies. God, I, I can't really get into the flow of your presence. I can't really enter into your presence right now because God... Uh, i can't work right now, and so I just can't, you know, uh, I, I want to make sure I stay focused on my work right now. I know you're calm and deep when your presence right now, but this is not the time. It's not the time. We do this, throughout the whole day. God,
2: I can't really, I can't really meditate on your work right now because it's like babies in the room, yeah.
1: My baby babies things do. You? That was a joke for those of you who are doing it now. And thank you for those of you who understood that it not a very good joke. Thank you. Thank you, guys. But we, we, we do this often. to hide from God's presence. We try to not enter into God's presence. it's not a good time. It's not the right day. It's not the right moment. God, I'll get in your presence on Sunday. If I make it to church on time and if I hit the crazy bush, I'll get in your presence, God. I'll be in your presence. Maybe, 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 maybe Sunday afternoon. Oh, this is my mood. That's That's a good time. I uh, do it, thank God. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, actually, no, no, hold on, God. I'm sorry. I gotta make dinner. Uh, Sunday night. Yes, Sunday night. No, I got a little bit early Sunday night. Maybe. Uh, God, I'll find some time. I promise. God, I'll find some time. Do you have some well, I believe things that God is calling us into His presence. I believe. Preach, not here to preach a negative message. I'm going to preach positive ones. Well, I'm going to tell you some good news in the midst of this tragedy. That's the that do. going to know this news. Nobody's Are you ready? I'm going to give you some positive information. You the tragedy doesn't have to be made a tragedy.
2: Amen.
1: See, here's the thing about Romeo and Juliet. In case you haven't already watched the movie or read the book, they both died. And guess what? The book is over. Amen. The book is done. There is no Romeo and Juliet part two. Amen. There is no resurrection from the dead for Romeo and Juliet. There is no resurrection. The story has ended. The story is over. There is no more. What is a tragedy will forever remain a tragedy. But I came by to let the Church of Jesus Christ know today that the tragedy of walking away from the presence of God, the tragedy of hiding away from God's presence and hiding away from God's anointing and and, and walking away from from, from God's presence and power when He wants to come and touch you with His presence and touch you with power, walking Wait, the, the tragedy does not have to be made a tragedy. You can turn tragedy into triumph. Hallelujah. There's no time to turn Bible says that, where can I go from your presence? Yeah. If I make it better than hell, you're there if I make it better than heaven, with yeah. you're yeah. yeah. Where can I go? We know go that God's, go God's presence sees all time, and sees all places. He says that his eyes roam to and from the he sees every corner of it. But yet, I still believe that there is a special time and season, that there is a special time and season, that in that time, season, and in that place, you touch the presence of God, there is a greater manifestation of the presence of God. I believe there is a time and season when there's a greater manifestation of His presence, there's a greater realm well of His presence, and then when you step in in the right time, in the right place, at the right moment, you step into that place of His presence. Something extraordinary will happen. Something supernatural Pastor, how can I help you this morning? How can I recognize that season and step into that flow, into that presence of God? First Kings, chapter 8. First Kings, chapter 8. Verse number 1, First Kings, chapter 8. It says, then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. And let me stop and explain a few things right here. Number one, the Ark of the Covenant was the... Symbolic representation of the presence of God. It represented God's holy presence. Now watch the following. The Ark of the Covenant, under King David, was stolen. But under King David, while he was still married to Michal, and and, and while he was still early on in in his ministry as king, over Judah and Israel, He had taken back the ark. And when they first brought back the ark, back into Jerusalem, the Bible says that King David began to dance before the Lord. I mean, there was great celebration. There was great joy. They began to dance. They began to celebrate. They began to shout. Praise God, we have the presence of God in our midst. We love God's presence. God's presence is wonderful. God's presence is holy. God's presence is great. Let me tell you something. And when you get into the presence of God, and when the presence of God begins to manifest all around you, that's
2: when miracles begin to happen right around you. That's when joy becomes yours,
1: even in the midst of despair. That's when uh, troubles just seem to vanish in the sight of His marvelous grace. That's when all of a sudden the demons shudder, and they flee, and they run like little chickens with their heads cut Because they can't stand to be in the presence of the Lord. But yet, when I read the pages from the presence of God in the symbolic representation of the ark coming back into Jerusalem all the way until King Solomon takes the throne. I'm not seeing a whole lot of supernatural things come I'm really not seeing all this exuberant joy happen in the midst of the people of Israel. I don't know about you, but, but you know what's this? If the presence of God, the very nature and presence of God was there in my city, I would be doing nothing but celebrating every single day long. i would do nothing but shouting and giving the highest of praise every single day long. I would be just so grateful and thankful. I would be expecting miracles and anticipating financial provision, anticipating blessings. I would be
2: walking as this-
1: really see through all the pages all of these great supernatural expectations and miraculous manifestations. But something was about to change. Can I tell you something today? I believe something is about to change. In fact, when we read that first verse, the first Kings chapter 8, it says that Solomon decided to call all head people. And he called them all, and he said, now, I want you to get the ark, get the presence of God that has been sitting there in Jerusalem, and I want you to go get it. I want you to go get the presence of God out of Zion. Zion, by the way, is the the, the modern church. We are Zion. The church is Zion. And I just want to say to the church right now today, we have the presence of God in our very midst. We have the presence of God all Church. You are the church. You make up the church. And the presence of God is right here in all living things. Yet, yeah, just like the city of Jerusalem, we just go your life as if it's not there. We just walk around as if the presence of God is not even there. We take the presence of God for granted. We take the presence of God just as a as a necessary religious symbol. But something was about to change. A new season was about to come. Come on, somebody get Pentecostal on me in this house. I said a new season was about to come. Something brand new, a shift was about to happen in this city because now Solomon called all of the men, and when we you got all the men together, you say, go get the
2: presence of God.
1: Get it! And I say to the church today, it's time for us once again to awaken to the reality
2: of what the presence of God is in our lives, and actually go and grab
1: hold of the presence of God, because this is saying you cannot counter every single demon and defeat every demon against your life if you're not grabbing a hold of the presence of God, you cannot mess up with the enemies. You cannot mess up with the spiritual wickedness. Friends Come over, we try to hide the friends of God into the back. Yeah. Come on. The Bible says we need to let the light of God so shine through us that every man may see the light of God and they can glorify God we see. Get it? leave it here. Don't leave it in your home. Don't leave the Bible just sitting on your on your nightstand, never open it. Don't, 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 don't. don't. Get it. Bring it. Take up the ark and the it. When I watch this, I first Kings chapter verse number 2. And all the men of Israel assembled themselves to King Solomon at the feast in the month of the name which is the seventh month. Now, this feast just so happens to be the feast we call Tabernacles. It's the same feast in the same month. It is the Feast of Tabernacles, which takes place every September, October-ish. Uh, this year is actually place October 4th to October 9th. And this is a very special feast. See, here's, here's the thing I come to realize. King Solomon always had the plan to finish building the temple and to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple. That was always Solomon's plan. But do you know that King Solomon finished the temple? And he waited. King Solomon finished this temple, building his temple, but he waited until the Feast of Tabernacles before he assembled the people to bring the ark. He waited, because see, I believe Solomon and all of his wisdom that God granted to him, I believe Solomon knew something, there's a new season that comes at the Feast of Tabernacles. There's a new season, there's a shift that happens in the supernatural realm during the Feast of Tabernacles. There's, a, there's something fresh that takes place at the Feast of Tabernacles. I know, the, I know the, the, the holy place is finished. I know the sanctuary is finished. I got the children. Built, and their wings are all beautiful. But I'm going to wait until the Feast of Tabernacles to bring in the York. Because something a new season will begin. on the Feast of Tabernacle. Can I say to the church today, which is Zion, I want to tell you saints today that coming soon There's a new season. I know you may have been struggling this past season with all the trials and
2: tribulations.
1: You may have been struggling with all the situations and troubles. But I can't mind to let you know there's a brand new season coming, There's the Feast of Tabernacles is coming, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, something
2: miraculous, something unexpected, something unusual is going to happen in your life, hallelujah.
1: Because you see, the Feast of Tabernacles was important. Because here's what the Feast of Tabernacles was, and right? it was that season, that, that holiday, when the Jewish people would literally build themselves tents. And they would build little, little, what they call hummus, which is just little tents, kind of like what you see today, you can buy from the Sand Club, and, and you, know, you put it up real quick, it has a little canopy, you can get it in just a little tent like that. And, and they had all these other tents, and they would build these tents, and they would sit under these tents. And they would do that for the whole night whole day and whole night and they would do that to remind themselves of the journey they had to make for 40 years in the wilderness to remind themselves of how hot and horrid it was but yet how god always by his presence had a canopy above them because the Bible says that in the daytime, he was the cloud coming And in the nighttime, he was the pillar of fire leading. Oh, see, the, the whole piece of tabernacles is all about remembering the presence of God. It was all about recognizing the fact that God, who is
2: God, Has always said in his word, I am the God, your God. I will never leave you nor forsake you.
1: I am the Lord, your God. I will be with you always. I am the Lord, your God. Even when you don't see me, I'm still there. I am the Lord your God. I am going to protect you and bring you through. I am the Lord, your God. I am your deliverer and your redeemer. Even when enemies come up against you, I will raise up a shield against it. I am the Lord, your God. I am your blesser. I am your redeemer. I am your provider. I am your all and all. I am your sustainer. I am your preserver. I am everything. I am Hallelujah. You should make it to the promised land. You should make it to the promised land. I came out to let you know today, as hard as this fight may get, and as hard as it is our time, I came out to say by the Lord Jesus Christ and his presence, you will make it to heaven. You will make it to the very end. You don't have to worry and it's going to get you hard tonight to not make it
0: the promised
1: man. Yes, and so they built these tents. And when they built these tents, they sit in them to remind themselves. And so King Solomon waited to bring the ark into the temple until the feast of the tench waiting for a new season, because something, something was about to change, something was about, here the church was, the city of Zion was, they were living this whole entire time, they had the presence of God right in their midst, yet nothing supernatural was happening, nothing extraordinary was happening, nothing unusual was taking place. Look what happened! And so the elders came, and the priests took up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation. And they took up the tent that covered over over the ark, and they brought up the tent and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle and all those things the Levites did bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation that were assembled were with him in, uh, before the ark, sacrificing sheep, oxen, and could not be told a number for multitude. And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord into this place, into the most inner room, the oracle of the house, to the most holy place, the Holy of Holies, even under the wings of the cherubims, where the cherubims bent the two wings over the ark, and the cherubims covered the ark, and the staves there all above, and they drew out the staves, and they were in the holy place, and they were not seen without, and they were unto this day. Now look at verse number nine. There was nothing in the ark, save two tablets of stone, that Moses put in at Horeb, with the Lord made a covenant. When they came out of Egypt, remember this was all about celebrating their journey into the Promised Land. This is all about remembering God's presence over their life. I came out to let you know, say there is something wonderful when you begin to sit back and look at all the times God brought you out when you shouldn't have been brought out. There's something wonderful to sit back and remember and look at and see how God provided, even when everything in the world says you should not have been given what you were given. The blessing you receive should not. Have been given to you. The miracles you received should not have been given to you. But by the presence of God, they became yours. By the presence of God, you received them. By the presence of God, you were sustained. You were preserved. By the presence of God, you made it through each and every single time. Even under this very moment, I came out and let you know today there's something wonderful that happens in your life. There's a shift that happens when
2: you sit back
1: and look at all the to survive
2: and done in your life. Amen.
1: Amen. And verse number 10. See, here's what happened. Are well, you staying with me? Remember, I told the Feast of Tabernacles is the start of the new season. I came back to the creator to you today. A new season is coming. A new season of unusual miracles is coming. I'm saying to you right now a new season of unusual. A new season of unusual. Can I say it again? A new yes. season of unusual. Unusual. Yeah. You see, when Paul when they, when they were in such a need of healing and in such a need of miracles and, and deliverances, the apostle Paul was not enough. Even though every time he lay hands, on people they would get healed and demons so would get cast out, they get delivered. Yet yeah, there was too many for him to, to always be around and lay hands. On. So what did they do? They began to take handkerchiefs and aprons and they gave them to the Paul. And as Paul prayed over the handkerchiefs and over the aprons, he would then hand them out and other people would take them to people who were sick. And all they had to do was raise a handkerchief and apron on top of the sick and they would be healed. I'm talking about unusual things. See, that's not usual. That's not common. That's Unusual, but God just like that. He's wanting to do something unusual in this new season. And look, I'm decreeing right now over your life at the store of tabernacles, at the presence of God, unusual things
2: are going to happen. Yes,
1: hallelujah. And <laughs> they watch Yark. Oh, like the first number 10 of 1 Kings chapter 8. And it came to pass on this day, at the beginning of the new season, on this day, when the representation of the presence of God was brought into the holy place. In other words, when the presence of God was in right alignment. I said when the presence of God is in the right place, when you don't have the presence of God, Get over here. But you got the presence of God in the right place in your life. When you got the presence of God in proper alignment in your life. When you got him first and everything else after. When you got God number one and you got everything else after. I came out to let you know when you put God in proper perspective and God in proper position. Then all of a sudden on this day in the new season something wonderful was about to happen. Something Unusual was about to happen. It came to pass when the priest will come out of the holy place. Oh, I love this because it tells me, it tells me that whatever that this unusual miracle that was about to happen, whatever this unusual thing that was about to take place, this brand new experience that came from the presence of God, that followed the presence of God, this unusual experience, this brand new thing that was about to happen, this shift, this change that was about to happen, whatever it was, it took place after church service. See, so many times we want to go into church and we expect it to only happen in church. But I came out to let you know this happened after they came out of the holy place. This wasn't uh, something that happened only in church, but when they walked out of church, it was a whole different story. No, they were in church having church, but when they came out of church, that's when the unusual happened. I want to say to you today, when you go home, that's when the unusual was about to happen. When you are get in your workplace, that's unusual is going to happen. When you have the presence of God in your work life, in your home life, in your children, when you got the presence of God outside of these four walls, that's when the unusual will happen in your life. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> when it came to pass, when the crazy will come out of the holy place, that the cloud will remember what I said. I said that the Feast of Tabernacles always remembered. it was a feast day to remember the 40 days and the 40 years in the wilderness. The days when the cloud overshadowed them. Oh, you see what happened? This was nothing unusual because they were expecting the same miracles of yesterday. I still believe that God is the
2: same yesterday. So yeah, yes, hallelujah. My be. God who laid
1: hands on the sick and they recovered them, is still the same God today that, yes. that says through you yes. if you will lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Yes. I still believe in the same miracles of this event, even though they might have little- I- I had something to say. Well, that whole handkerchief thing, that was that was only something special and unique to the Apostle Paul. Listen, if my God did it for the Apostle Paul, my God could do it for me as well. If my God did it for Peter, my God can do it for me as well. My God is no respect of a person, the Bible says. And if my God did it for John, on the island of Patmos, my God would do it for me, even i right here, in my Bible study will. If my God did it for Timothy and Titus, and they respect Churches, my God would do here in this church. I, just, I, I still believe God that the same God of the yesterday never is the God of today's new The God that did yesterday glory is the God of today's glory Hallelujah. Look, listen, when they saw the cloud coming, that was nothing unusual. When they saw the cloud coming, that was nothing extraordinary. Because they all the more they were just in church. They were just reading about how God did the miracle. And they were believing in God for the same miracle. But again, I told you a ship was about to happen. Something unusual was about to happen. Something greater. Oh, see, this is why Je- see, Jesus understood Understood this. Which is why did you understand? Do you, you understand how important this is? It was right around this same time period when Jesus said to his disciples, Hey, by the way, boys, boys, all the things that I've just done, greater things should be done. Why? It was right around this same season. The same season of happened. Because God was trying to prove a point. There's something that happened when you get in about presence. So when you begin to remember how my presence brought you through, and then you symbolically come underneath my tent, underneath my canopy, underneath the cloud uh, covering of my presence, when you come underneath that, that's when you step into that covering realm, that's something powerful. A new sh. A new change. A new They were in church, they heard about it, they remembered it, and then they were expecting it. But because they were expecting the same miracle, God not only did the same miracle, God did something more. Wow. You know what, Jeans? I praise God for the church of the 50s. <clears throat> In I can go all the way back. I, I praise God. Listen. I praise God that the church of God was the very first Pentecostal church and received the entering of the Holy Ghost first. Even before Azusa Street. To receive the, 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 the outcome of the Holy Ghost in this new time. I praise God for those great Church of God (coughs) God, men way back in 1887. With Paul G. Sperling, A.J. Thomas, and coming in. I praise God for the Church of God history, for the Pentecostal, I praise God for Susan Street and uh, and Richard Seymour. I praise God. For the church of the 20s and 30s that stuck through it, even through the Great Depression, and they still believed in God. I praise God for the church of the 50s when they were experiencing the teenage rebellion, but yet somehow the church survived. Amen. I praise God for the church of the 70s and 80s going through a drug phase and rock and roll phase. But yet, the church prevailed, the church survived. I praise God for the church of the 90s, that even when globalism and and everything was taking place around the world, we began to see the uh, the greater influence of humanism take form, yet the church prevailed. Now, even through this global pandemic, I came by to let you know if you have one hand in the presence of God, if you yes. have the presence of God, listen, you will prevail. Amen.
0: Amen.
1: You will prevail. This will not stop you from entering the promised land. This will not deter you from the, entering into the place of His glory. God has something unusual just beyond. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? So they were expecting the cloud. The cloud came, but now God was going to do something unusual. God was going to do something extraordinary. God was going to do something above and beyond because they were in the presence of God at the feast of that house. And now a new season was about to hit them. A new season was about to hit them hard. And when the cloud came in above them, it says in verse eleven, the priests could not stand on their feet anymore to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the. Oh, the glory oh this was something that, you see Moses only got to see the backside of God's glory can I tell the church something in this morning Moses only got to see the backside but the, all the Israelites they only got to experience a manifestation of cloud and fire as the presence of the Lord but I want to show you something here this morning that what follows the presence of God is the glory of God what yes, follows the presence of God is the glory of God. And so when you get into the presence of God in the right season, in the fall of the new season, at this beast of tabernacles, I came out and let you know today, I believe a fresh outpouring of God's glory is going to overtake the church of Jesus Christ this new season.
2: Somebody get Lord some praise. Yes,
0: Hallelujah.
1: New season, you could not even stand. Oh, you know we look at that and talk about this kind of glory, the big abode of God, the glory of God that covers, the glory of God that's so strong that it literally puts you on your knees and you cannot stand. That was something unusual for them. That was something extraordinary for them. Because see, the cloud for the Israelites in the wandering years, that cloud never forced them under the knees. No, 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 They were able to walk and stand. This cloud was forced find their knees under a frustrated position. Powerful glory, wonderful glory. Yes. Glory well. and for exceed the power. And thought exceeds the own power and thought. this townhouse but this townhouse the townhouse of 2020 I'm expecting flowers yes I'm expecting and anticipating the glory that she Why you may never have experienced it before. Why, why it might be unusual to you. That Shekinah of 1 Kings 8 is no longer unusual. Because God already did it. Amen. Some you do bother me. See, God already did the cloud, God already did the glory. This time, that in your home will oh, I don't know how it's going to manifest uh, for your family and your children. Your... I don't know how it's going to be, but I know this. It's going to be just like it was with the pillar of fire and the cloud over the top in the days of the wandering. It's going to be just different kind of in the house of the Lord in 1 Kings chapter 8. But I also know it's going to be something even greater than those things. It's going Even more than those things. It's going to be something even more unusual than those things. I thank God for the aprons and the handkerchiefs, but I know God's going to do something even greater than that.
2: Per Ossia,